Praise the Lord, Church of Omaha. I like that song. I can't hold back my hallelujah. Um, and uh, I want that to be, not only is it the cry of my heart, but I always want it to be the cry of my heart. Sometimes you go through situations in life and, and you're down, you're despondent, you might be angry, and we'll talk a bit about some of that today, but I want to give him my worship and my praise. Amen. We could turn, I got a couple passages, we're going to be setting in the book of 2 Kings chapter 7 and Luke chapter 5, and as I said, the book of 2 Kings, I remembered, I can't say the word Kings, so just bear with me today, but uh, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3, and I'm going to introduce some of these stories, and it says, and there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, Why set we here until we die? Verse 4 says, If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and, if we shall, and we shall die there. And if we set still here, we die also. And then uh, I think we'll just go ahead and pray, and then I'll introduce the other two stories. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your word. I ask you to speak into our hearts and lives. Change us, O God. We want to lift you up, Lord. We want to draw closer to you and be encouraged. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, in a little bit, we'll touch base also in Luke chapter 5, and we'll be looking at verses 12 and 13, and then we'll jump down to a story out of, out of verse 18. Um, but here in, in the book of 2 Kings, the, the, the city is under attack. And the enemy has come in and is encamped a bit back at a distance. When you just look over the city wall, you're not seeing the, the enemy all out there. You don't see all their chariots and horses. But the enemy has been in the region and has, uh, uh, has caused a famine to take place. People can't really escape. They can't go out and farm the land. They can't do their work. And, and when you um, read this passage and you think about famine... A lot of times when I think about famine, what's the first word if I said, man, we don't have any food and we haven't had food in this area for a really long time. What do you think is the cause of famine? I always think drought. I mean, when I think of uh, Egypt and I think of the famine in Egypt, my first thought is, well, they must have went through a drought. It is actually quite possible that you could have a famine because you had so much flooding that you destroyed the farmland. <laughs> And you couldn't grow any crops. And so there's some thoughts on Egypt about that. Or, you can have a famine because the enemy has come into your life and he has surrounded you and he has tormented you and made it so that you can't get what you need. You know, that happens to us in our walk with God. The enemy comes in and he begins to torment and you find that you don't sleep very well at night. You have a lot of thoughts that run through your head. Um, life seems to be coming at you, and the, the bills, you know, how are we going to pay those? And how is this situation or this relationship going to work out? And, and maybe you're in school and you're like, well, how am I going to do in this class? And so when I say the enemy here, I like to expand it even a little bit further. It doesn't just have to be the devil or a devil tormenting your mind. But it's things that get in there. But Jesus is peace for everything. Jesus is peace 
for everything. And when Jesus brings peace, His peace is, is beyond comprehension. Because we like to think, man, if I paid that bill, I would have peace. If I didn't have this sickness anymore, everything would be good. If I could just take that test and the class would be over and I could get a passing grade, we'd be solid. And yet Jesus comes in and when Job, and, and I'm not going to tell the story of Job today, but we know he went through a lot of hard struggle and trial. And, he, and his family died and, and, he was, uh, and he had boils all over his body and, and, and he's sitting there and he is in great misery. And when God stepped into his life, you don't see that initially that the boils were gone, the wealth was restored, families all happening again. You don't see any of that. But you see that Job transitions from being in torment to seeing God. And in that moment, there's a peace that comes in as God shows Himself in the scene. Hallelujah. There's a peace. God's peace is deeper than just solving the problem. God will bring peace into a situation even when the conditions still exist that were your initial torment. And someone will say, well, well your, your bill's not paid. And you're like, it's, it's going to be okay. I have peace about it. We're going to get through this. Well, you're, you're still in your sickness. I got peace about this. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Um, here in the book of 2 Kings, we see these four lepers. And this region is in famine. The region is in famine. And, and they had a decision to make. And I could see them sitting there that day, and they'd be saying, so what do we do? Or as I titled today, where do we go from here? If you were somebody living in the city and you saw those lepers out there, you probably didn't care that much about them. You see, being a leper, I like to call it a living death. Because once you came down with this debilitating disease, it didn't just affect your body and your feeling and your nerves. It didn't just start to show up as spots on you and start to have um, your nerves become desensitized and, and start to, to see things happen. And maybe you pinched yourself in a doorway or, or you got injured and now a body part starts to die and fall off. And, and it didn't just affect you physically. It immediately affected your relationships. So Brother Hawthorne, you and I are friends. We get together, and all of a sudden I come down with leprosy. Boom. Relationship gone. Get away from me. You're unclean. I can't do business with you. The way you are can't mix with the way that I am. Your family. My wife. Hopefully she'd be tore up about it. Honey, you can't live with us anymore. You gotta go. The children, but what about dad? Me, but I was their provider. How can I get them money? How can I take care of them? Relationships broke, cut off. There was a king that this happened to. And he ended up living in his house. Had to live away from everyone else. Alone. And in so many ways, leprosy is a living death. It's, it's, it's representative of sin. 
and it comes in and it destroys. And you know that is what sin does in our lives. And you say, well, I, I, I watched a movie I shouldn't have watched. or Yeah, I said, and, and you're like, I'm still here, I'm just fine. But there's something that happens when you start to delve into a sinful lifestyle. A lifestyle that goes against God. And, and as you go deeper and deeper into the, the damages of sin and it begins to come in, you will suddenly begin to find, one of the things you'll find is you just don't want to go to church anymore. You're going to look at the people here and you're going to say, well, I don't want to, I don't want to live life that way anymore. I, I want to live life this way. And you start to see a separation in, in relationships that pulls you away. And, and sin has a way then of coming into families. And so maybe a spouse says, I don't want to do this anymore or I don't want to do that. Or, or maybe you, you begin to, to go off and... and you get involved up in, in, and it may be like an addiction or something, but it begins to get into your life and it begins to separate you and it begins to do damage and harm and hurt. And, and the people that you love, the relationships become torn. Messes with your job. Messes with your friends. And your life is turned upside down. And I'm thinking of a gentleman right now. I won't say his name or anything. Some maybe would know, some maybe not. But he had a lot of wealth. Blessed the kingdom of God through his finances. Donated a lot. But somehow he got his life turned upside down. And found himself stealing from a fundraiser for someone who had died. And they were trying to help the family. He went from being a person that could help out all kinds of other people and, and, and financially bless the kingdom of God to being at the bottom of the totem pole and eventually in jail. Why? Because he made decisions that first separated him from church and from the family and then pulled him out and eventually his family left him and he hit complete rock bottom. And that is a lot like spiritual leprosy. It gets in there and it pulls you apart. So these gentlemen had physical leprosy and, and they're sitting outside the camp and people would have looked at them and said, I wonder what sin you committed. They were dependent upon donations. Somebody to drop something off. And you know, you couldn't just put it in their hand. Sir Nancy, I couldn't just say, oh, here you go. I could not touch you. Not only that, you wore clothing, you wore garments. So that everyone could recognize that you were bad. Isn't that great? Now maybe some of you out there today have some things in your life you wouldn't like the rest of us to know about. I don't know. Maybe you're like, when you got all dressed this morning, you didn't want us to know that earlier today that your breath stunk. All right? Hey, maybe some of you have had it where you're like, you're, you're trying to get together and the doorbell rings. And you're like, I cannot answer that doorbell. I'm in no shape to answer that doorbell. Am I the only person? Man, I'm telling stuff. I, oof. So, but you're in conditions in life and sometimes you're like, I'm not in a spot. I got to get myself together. And, and you don't want to wear a garment that defines you in your bad condition. You don't want to announce to me, this is what life is like over here. here I, when, what you don't know about me is, here's how I am sometimes, and I don't want you to know that side of me. I want to get myself together. I want to cover up 
those things. But a leper didn't have that option. It, uh, uh, his, he had to wear that garment. And when he was out there, if you begin to approach and things were going to get too close, he was supposed to holler out, you know, I'm a leopard. Oh, stay away. I'm unclean, unclean, unclean. And that way you were protected. How terrible. How terrible. It's, almost, it's as if life had ended and you would wonder, why should I even go on existing? But these four guys there, they were impacted by the famine. There wasn't any food for them either. But the people in the city were distraught. And, and, and they were beside themselves. And, and they were at the bottom of the totem pole. Yet outside the city was four gentlemen who understood what it was like to be at the bottom. And something began to happen in their attitude. It's a where do we go from here attitude. You see, they had some choices they could make. They could have said, Brother Khan, they could have said, Why did God allow me to have leprosy? Why is it that I'm in this condition? They could have said, Man, Joe, they could have said, Why is it that my family at least doesn't come out and stand just right over there and try to talk to me? Or, why is it that, that somebody hasn't bothered to share a little bit of food with me? Why is it that my society has to mark me so badly? And why do I have to holler this out every time? Couldn't we do business another way? And they could have reflected. They could have said, man, if only I had done life differently. Or perhaps one of them was like, you know, I do think this is because I sinned. And what if I just had not sinned? And they could have beat themselves up. They could have blamed God. They could have blamed others. They could have blamed themselves. But there's something about the fact that those four men were still living. And that's part what I like about leprosy. Because even though we call it a living death, the emphasis I like to place is on the living. Because they're still out there. There's still breath in their lungs. They still seen a ray of sunshine. They still said, there's hope. And I don't know about you, but I want to get in my head that it doesn't do me a lot of good to look backwards and to blame everything else that happened in life and to put it down and to say, how did I get here? And what am I doing here? But instead, I want to make a choice and a decision that says, what am I going to do now? Or where do we go from here? Sister Powell, I apologize if I get it wrong. But in talking with you, sometimes you've said, hey, when I counsel people, I can either go back and we can discuss every aspect of their lives. And sometimes we need to go backwards in order to go forwards. Why? Because we've never really gotten out of the spot that we're in. We're still living there. We're not really going backwards. We just stayed here while the rest of life raced right by us. Sometimes we have to deal through some of those things. But if I have this right, you've said, you need to see what it is that you really want. Do you want your marriage? Do you want to be able to get up in the morning and go to work? Do you want to be at peace in your day? What is it that you want? Because what we can do 
is we don't necessarily go back and undercover every rock and, and talk about every story. But we say, what do we need to do to get there? What do we need to do to get healed and to get better? Or in the case of these lepers, what do we need to do to get food? And they looked at that city and they said, well, <laughs> we used to get food from that place. But I think they're as bad or worse off than we are. So if we go into that city in our leprosy, and everybody runs away because we're unclean, we're not getting any food. They said, we, we will enter into the city. It says, why set we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city. That place of hope and refuge, it's not there. And we shall die there. And if we sit here still, we die also. And so they looked at their situation. And then they were like, you know what? I know where there's food. I know where there's a chance. And it was the enemy's camp. They're like, what are we going to do? We die here. We die there. Or we just might live if we face the enemy. And I don't know what's been echoing into your life or what you're going through, but you have a decision to make, not about what happened behind you, but what are you going to do today? Do we sit here until we die? And I want somebody else to, or somebody to get an understanding. Because some of you have thought in your head, and I even would have said this from the pulpit, and maybe I'll use this phrase again sometime. I may ask you, you've tried everything else out there. You really have no other hope. Your life is a mess and you're despondent. Why not try God? But when I say that phrase, it's almost like a flip of the coin. Maybe it'll work, maybe he won't. God is different. And I want you to hear this from me. God is different. When you try God, you are not taking a chance. And you say, okay, well, well what my body doesn't get healed. Oh, you've got to understand. And we're going to cover some of this a little bit more in just a little bit. When you try God, you're not taking a chance. When you place your life in His hands, if for some reason He says healing isn't for right now, you're going to be in a better place than you could possibly have ever been if you got healing outside of God. So put yourself in the hands of God. Now, I'm not telling anybody don't go to the doctor, okay? That doesn't mean because you went to the doctor, you're outside of God. And you're like, well, I either asked God to heal me or I went to the doctor. No, those, that's not opposite choices. So I don't want anybody being silly and saying, well, I have the opportunity to go to the doctor. I'm sick. I'm going to get some tests. No. God may choose that He wants to glorify you or glorify Himself through the doctors. 
He may want to show His work. I, I, I don't know how God wants to do it, but I'm telling you, whether it's your finances, it's your emotions, it's your struggle, it's your past, it's your, your sickness, whatever it is, it's relationships. Go ahead and put it in the hands of God because He has complete control and nothing can come against Him. And we see a typography of this when we, we see these guys make a decision that they're going to do something. You know what that's called? Faith. They said, what, what, what are we going to do here? Let's just see what happens. And they begin to take a walk. And, and when the kids are downstairs and in their classrooms today, and I didn't think it would be fair to pull Finn out, but if I had Finn right here, and you could see Finn walking, and the enemy is right here. You don't want to be the enemy, do you? But Finn would begin to walk, and he would take a walk. Do you know what happens right behind Finn? There's Dad. And he's like, as the men begin to walk, those four lepers, they were just walking. And they finally, they get to the camp. And they're like, what happened here? Dang, they're like, look at this place. Somebody came through and chased the enemy away and they left everything. We've got tents, we got clothes, we got food. This food's even still on the fire. It's great. They showed up and it was a feast and it was wealth and it was riches. And these four guys, man, they had just been the worst of the worst for years of their life. And they come walking in and they're like, oh my goodness. Why? Because as they were walking, oh, our Heavenly Father began to walk behind them. And what they couldn't hear is He took every step they made and He magnified it. And He made it really loud. So when they took a step, oh, it was, I, I don't know, maybe I can do it up here. It was louder. It was louder. Oh, it began to boom. And, and they still didn't pick it up. But the enemy heard this. And they were like, wait a second. There was an army hired. Oh, somebody's coming in to tackle us. And, and we don't have enough people. And they begin to run. And they left everything behind. And the lepers are sitting there. And they're having a feast. So I'll give you a little more of the story. And then we'll come back to it. They're sitting there. And they're having a feast. And finally, finally, Man, that was some good food. Trevor, <laughs> I can't believe what we got. And then one of them was like, you know what? I'm a little nervous because we're sitting here and we're enjoying all these blessings and there's a city starving. I think we got to go tell somebody about this. I mean, mean, people who maybe hollered at you from the, the wall, people who didn't bring you out food, People who, who ridiculed you. People who didn't visit you. People who you had to shout at. Unclean! Unclean! You who were dead are going to bring life to those people? Like, yeah. I think we got to go. I think we got to tell others. Others. So, if we take a little trip into the book of Luke, in the book of Luke chapter 5. There's a couple other stories here. I like stories because stories, the Bible's full of narrative, full of stories. Why? Because we learn from someone else's life. We see Scripture put into action. 
And Jesus is here. And the first story is also about a leper. Verse 12, and it says, And it came to pass when, this is Jesus, when he was in a certain city, Behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Some of you are afraid to go to God because you're not worthy of Him. None of us are worthy of Him. And you say, well, you're more worthy than I am. Well, thank you. That makes me feel good. No, it really doesn't. Why? Because just like sin is sin, we're all unworthy. We didn't earn this. You're telling me, the creator of the universe, that you're less than like a speck of dust within? That somehow, I've got one step up on you. If we're two bits of dust here, and I'm like, well, I'm a little bit bigger dust than you are. Right, really? Somehow I've got... Because I can stand on this step of unworthy and you're on this step of unworthy that somehow I deserve God and you don't? No. Get that out of here. You have a choice to make. You either sit here until you die. Or when Jesus walks in on the scene, you get a hold of Him. And I, I want somebody that doesn't just wait for Jesus to walk by. But you're like, I heard about Jesus. I, I, I can either stay in my condition and in my situation, or I can go after Him. I can blame everything that I came out of, it, out of, or I can just try Jesus. And there's something that gets a hold of me about these people. Oh, just like the men in the Old Testament, they begin to take a walk. And this man in the New Testament said, Wait a second. Jesus, if Thou wilt, Thou canst make me clean. You, Jesus, can make me clean. He took a try on Jesus. He took a try on Him. He didn't play the blame game, but He began to reach out. And in this case, what we see is Jesus, it says, and He put forth His hand and touched Him saying, I will be thou clean. What did this, would this man have gotten healed that day if he hadn't hollered at Jesus? Would this man have gotten healed if he had not been willing to be honest with Jesus? He had to be honest. He had to make an appearance. I got the clothes that identify who I am. You're a great man. You're greater than all these other people around you. Of all people who don't belong here, it's me. Reminds me of the blind man hollering out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. You see, there's something about going to the lowest place. Because when you get to the lowest place, you have a decision to make. Do I want to live or do I don't? Or do I not? As I thought on this message this morning, I wanted to tell somebody, because somebody out here today or somebody listening online, or maybe you'll hit a spot in life in the future, and you think, might think you don't even want to live. And I don't mean that you're going to commit suicide. That could be the thing that's in your head too. But you just give up. 
I want to tell you there's life in Jesus. There's hope for you. Don't give up. And don't let your little bit of pride you would maybe have in you that says, well, I don't want to cry out. Stop you from crying out. Jesus has everything that you need. And He wants to give you what you truly need. And so this leper, Jesus had everything that He needed. Well, why didn't you do it yesterday or the day before or last year or three years ago? Does that matter? He's here right now. And He began to cry out. And Jesus touched him and healed him. And I think that that story being right on the front end of the following one, and I was going to highlight out of Luke chapter 5, verse 18 here. That story had run down through, I had through verse 13, but it actually goes right down to verse 15, and then we launch in to 17 for the next story. So they're back to back. Luke chapter 5. Why would the leper story before this following one be important? It's because when you have a testimony, your testimony can change somebody else's life. In this story, I, I didn't preach last week. I had my notes for last week. But it's about the man let down in the roof. And Jesus was in a house and He was teaching and the crowds gathered in. You know what I, I like about this is, is uh, the story doesn't even highlight Jesus' teaching. We have verse 17, 18, and 19. And if you have the red letter Bible, verse 17, 18, and 19 is not in red. Jesus is teaching. But what He begins to do in someone's life is what He wants to highlight. Because it's time for Jesus to minister directly to you. And we talked about last Sunday and how Jesus swept in this place. And, and, and I could have said, well, I'm going to get behind the pulpit here. But Jesus was saying, that's not the moment for that right now. I've come to go ahead and minister to your need. I want to meet with you. And we can have all kinds of conversation. But let's get down to the real issues here. Let's talk about it. And so in this story, I want to say this testimony. In this testimony, Jesus was in the house. And there was a man who was sick with a palsy. He was paralyzed. And he had some friends that said, I just need to get you to Jesus. And they come carting him in on his bed. And they could not get through to Jesus. Why? Because there's somebody else that's right there. There's somebody else over here. And somebody else. And finally they said, you know what? There's a way for us to get on the roof. And they got up on that roof. And they began to pull back the tiles. Oh, can't you see this? They, didn't, they decided they didn't care how disrespectful it was. To the house or to the master inside. But they said inside there is what we need. And if we can just get to Jesus, He's right there. Oh, He has everything that I need. I think you're missing the boat here. They set aside their pride. They set aside the accusations. They set aside what everyone would think about them. They also set aside the fact, would Jesus turn us away? 
Will he turn us away? Will he say no? Will he? Come on, somebody. They, that wasn't their aim. They were like, I'll get him to Jesus. And then Jesus will do what he will. Just get him to Jesus. Somebody just needs to get to Jesus. In this story, or in this testimony, what I like about it is because the other two, we talked about a person's condition. But you're saying, I don't have a problem. My friend has a problem. And maybe it's not just your friend, but it's the people at, well, if you had teens in here, we'd say at school or at your job. Or maybe you read the news or listen to the news and, and you see a lot of chaos unfolding out there. You know what? You can bring them to Jesus. Oh, somebody went to that paralyzed man, Sister, Sister Powell, and they said, we're, we're bringing you to Jesus. Trevor, they were like, we're bringing you to Jesus. You know, I'm like, going to where? No, you don't understand. There's hope now. You've lived this way all your life. Yeah, yeah, but I, I wouldn't. No, you're coming with me to Jesus. And they went and got him, and, and they brought him in, and they carried him. And then they're like, we're doing what? You're going through the roof. But, but, but I don't care. We have a shot here today. And Jesus has what we need. And they lowered him down through the roof. And Jesus did for this friend. When he saw, it says, when he saw their faith. So Nancy, that'd be saying when he saw your faith. When he saw your faith. Taylor, when it be when he saw your faith, he said to the man, son, or he said, man, not son, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Your sins are forgiven. Now to other people, and Jesus understood this, they were like, what? But Jesus got right to the heart of the problem. Is I need to fix right here first. Some of you have been coming up here and you raise your hands and you're like, it hurts right back here. Or it hurts right here. Or it hurts right inside here. Or it hurts in here. And Jesus says, hey, we got to go right back over to here. Your sins. We got to deal with something that's much deeper. Why? You're like, why didn't he heal my body right now? The lepers were still lepers, you know, in our first story. They were still lepers. We didn't see their leprosy gone. But God gave them what they needed in that moment. And God said, your sins are forgiven. And you can walk out with peace in the middle of your problem. He could have left with peace in the middle of his paralysis. Because his sins were taken care of. Oh, I heard a testimony of a person who had a partial lung. God gave them a complete, gave them full lungs. And they were going to the doctors, and the doctors sat around, and they stared in amazement. They, it was in California, and they'd flown them over from Hawaii. They were amazed. In this person's testimony, they said, God did not heal me for me, because I've lived all my life this way, and I would have been okay to continue living. He healed me for you. So that they could see the power of God. And that individual began to pray with these doctors. Because God was putting on display things that defied any of science or anything they could possibly imagine. 
and they knew it was the work of God. And so they let down their friend through the roof and God forgave his sins. And then he let them know. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. He healed him and he delivered him. We're getting ready to bring this to a close. Got just a few minutes left, but what I wanted to bring home to you today is just a couple points. You have a decision to make. You have a decision to make, and it's where do you go from here? You can't take care of yesterday. You know, you're married, you've been having problems with your spouse, you guys have been fighting. I know none of you probably have ever done that, but I hear stories about people. Some people fight. You have a decision to make. Are we going to have a marriage or are we not? Are we going to move forward or am I going to blame you for everything that's happened? Because if I blame you and put you down, this thing's over with. Or we can go forward. You could blame God for all the things you don't understand. Or you can get this. God truly loves you and He has never played games with your life. And if you will go ahead and reach out to Him and cry out, He will change your life. And for those of you that first saw the problems with others, the people that let down the man through the roof and those lepers that reached the city, do you know what those people that did that let the man down through the roof? They had to come to Jesus also. And while as we don't see Jesus telling them, your sins are forgiven or I've healed your life, they had recognized that Jesus was what was needed for their society and for their friend. And they also approached Jesus. And those men that went ahead and saved the city, you know what they first had to do? They first had to take a walk themselves. But there's one verse in this passage that really does bother me on the men that let down through the roof. And it's in verse 17. And it says, And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching, and there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and, and Jerusalem. And it says, now this is the doctors of the law and the Pharisees. It says, And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. If we could stand to our feet. You see, Jesus is here today, and He is in your lives. And He cares about each and every one of you. And He cares about the people that are in your life. And not only do you have the opportunity to bring them to Jesus, and to bring them out of famine, and to reach their lives, but there's also opportunity for you. And last week was last week, whether it was a great time, or a bad time. You can't go back to yesterday other than to, to build off of well, the blessings of God in your life. But you have a decision to make today. Where do we go from here? And you can turn to the people that are in famine and whose lives are a mess and you can say, where do we go from here? Let me bring you to Jesus. And for yourself you can say, 
am I going to come to Jesus? Why? Because the power of God is here to heal sin and to deliver you from wickedness, from sin, and from sickness, and to be your provision. Lord Jesus, I'm choosing you today. Where do we go from here, God? This is more than just a message of, po of, of positive thinking. God, it's reaching into you who is the only true hope, who is the only sure thing, is the one thing that when we try you out, we're not taking a chance. But we have hope and surety in eternity, oh God. You're the forgiver of sin. You're the healer of our past. You're the healer of our sins and of all diseases. And you're the provision. Oh God, we reach into you today. We reach into you for our society, for our friends. Oh God, for those who've done us wrong. Oh God, for our marriage, for our family. Oh God, we're reaching out to you today. And I'm making a decision. Oh God, where am I going? I'm going to Jesus. Where am I going? I'm going, oh God, to face the enemy. And I'm bringing Jesus into the moment. Hallelujah. And I'm bringing my friend to Jesus. Go ahead, lift your voice up. Oh, there's Jesus is in the house. Hallelujah. Bring somebody to Jesus. And while you're doing it, bring yourself also. The power of God is in the house today. Hallelujah. Let's give Him another hand clap. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Where do we go from here? I don't know about you, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to trust Jesus. God bless you. We'll see you back in here at 1120.